What's up, kids? Welcome to Poolside Chats with Dom and Chris, the show where we talk about everything from music production to the spiritual side of music creation. I am Chris. And I am Dom. And here we go. Hi, guys. What's up, kids? Welcome to Poolside Chats. You guys already know that. You already went through the introduction. We're here playing pool. And it's a good day today. We have a lot of fun stuff we're going to talk about. Uh, I'm pretty excited. In fact, I want to start with something that is fascinating to me. And I want to talk about this controversy, so to speak, or um, this dueling debate online on forums and all these different places of people that say, no, I do it this way. No, I do it this way. It's better to do it this way. So I'm going to ask Dom what he thinks, and then we're going to roundtable it. Dom, do you compress and then EQ, or do you EQ and then compress? You know what, Chris? That's a great, great, great... (laughs) Isn't it, though? Great question. I mean... You know, and why? it's just be, be detailed. Give us specifics. I just like the feel of what of it. Yeah, but oh, <laughs> don't we all, bro? It's just it's just a good feel. Wait, what were we talking about? No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so there's a couple of trains of thought. So ideally, you will want to EQ before compress. I know he. I'm dodging his question. He asked me which one I prefer better, and I'm gonna go on this very long rant to explain a very simple question. And say that you'll EQ before you compress because Why? you may want to get rid of information that you don't want the compressor acting to. Now, we've gone through an era of side chains on plugins now where the compressing circuit will not react to low end information by the use of a side chain filter on the compressor compression <laughs> sorry, the compression circuit. And uh this is a great way to not include pumping when you have a compressor going on. But if you want to do that with an EQ beforehand and you don't care about sacrificing a little low end, you can EQ beforehand. Or if you just think the compressor is acting weird because you have too much mid-range or whatnot, you EQ beforehand. Now, if you think you have a pretty good sound source and you just want to compress the crap out of it. And then you do that, and then you feel it's a little dull. So you're going to boost a little mids back, maybe a little high end. And this is a great way to kind of negate the effects of a compressor um, compressor um, by doing that. But the truth is, a lot of the times I'm EQing before and after a compressor. I will initially want to carve out things just to make it fit in the track. Then I'm like, you know, it's a little peaky or I just really want to add the saturation of this compressor and uh, get some gain reduction. And then I'll uh, try to just sweeten it up afterwards. The difference is subtractive EQ beforehand, um, additive EQ after usually, unless there's some things I missed and I just want to do it with the second EQ. But usually the second EQ is going to be a hardware emulation where I know the sound of it. And that's where I'm getting my vibe from. And then the first EQ is just going to be a very um, transparent Mm -hmm. uh, parametric. Mm -hmm. Well said. I actually agree with uh, just about all of that. In fact, I think that uh, cutting before the compressor is extremely valuable because you don't want to trigger the compressor to do things that... um, are responding to frequencies that are undesirable. Um, and I love the idea of using a tonal EQ after the compressor, which is great. I think some of the best um, clean EQs out there, stuff like the FabFilter Pro Q2, uh, the Sonics, 
um, GML-based EQ, and I would say maybe another one would be like an SSL, something like that. Just really transparent, not altering the sound at all, which is great. Dom, Dom, one, yeah, he was on a cold streak, man, like a cold streak. Like you, you would think he's made of ice. He's that cold. It's, it's a bad, yeah. First two, yeah. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that um, you know, if you if the only reason I would say to boost uh, before a compressor is, let's say that you have um, like an issue at six k or something like that. So you want to boost uh, three decibels going into the compressor. The compressor is going to respond. Do you to cover that or no? No. No. Okay. So if if for instance, like you're getting an issue at six k. And you don't want to duck that out with EQ because let's say, for instance, well, you you carve it out with EQ, but then your sound feels dull. So you can boost that up going into your compressor, and then your compressor will react more to the 6K because compressors respond to energy. So if you feed a higher energy signal into it, the compressor is going to do what it does and compress that energy level. So that's the best thing about it is cutting to get rid of frequencies you don't want or boosting into it to have the compressor get rid of frequencies you don't want so it doesn't feel like you dipped with an EQ and then a nice tonal boost afterwards if you want to color it with a Neve tone or an API tone or something like that. What are your thoughts, Dom? Yeah, it sounds great. I, uh, I uh, have never actually boosted into a compressor for that reason. I think uh, I've usually just ended up subtractive EQing it but um, I might have to try that just to hear what it does. That, that's a good idea. Um, just to see how well it works because, I mean, at this point, I'm just taking Chris's word for it and I like to test things before I uh, like to talk about them, you know? Um, you will, that's actually a segue to just hearing things from people online and uh, it's easy to relay the information without trying it. And that's just something that you should just make sure to do is just try the things that you hear. And then if you, uh, aren't sure about any of the things, just research it more. I am obsessed with researching about music stuff. Mm-hmm. Likewise. Yeah. It's just Chris and I, a lot of times the reason why we're tired the next day after staying up super late already mm-hmm. is just because we're researching and then YouTube rabbit holes mm. exist in oh, yeah. any genre oh, yeah. of information that oh, you're yeah. going for, especially in music freaking gear shootouts everything a lot of shootouts they're always fun oh yeah because when you don't have the gear it's just it's just a great way to hear things Uh, i love yeah researching's the best learn just learn 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 keep learning it's gonna be a huge theme in this podcast to just always learn you know speaking of learning there's a gentleman by the name of malcolm gladwell who's written several books google him he's amazing um he wrote a book called blink great book And he talks about something he calls the 10,000 hour rule. And what the 10,000 hour rule is, is in order to become a master of a certain craft or trade, you have to invest 10,000 hours into your craft. So if you break this down on a fundamental scale and you ask yourself, well, if I put 40 hours a week into music, how many years is it going to take me to become a master? And that's 40 hours a week, minimum five Let's say right now you're putting in 15 hours a week. So if you want to be a master producer, if you want to be a master audio engineer, if you want to be a master mastering engineer, then you need to put in literally 12 years, 15 years of your life at 15 hours a week. I'm not a master. 
No, and I'm not a master, <laughs> but I can comfortably say that I'm close. You know, I've hours. I've invested uh, easily 8,000 hours in the last five years alone. And I mean, that's everything. That's video courses, that's blogs, that's online courses, that's trial and error, that's getting together with friends and, uh, you know, doing tests together, watching shootouts, reading manuals, everything and anything that I possibly can do. And I want to challenge you guys, you know, on the topic of learning and growing. If you're sleeping, let's say on the average eight hours a day and you have to go to work eight hours a day and you're going to eat and relax and watch a little TV four hours a day, you've got maybe four hours a day to do what you love. Think about that. So it's like, if you want to get to where you want to go with music or anything in life, you really need to look at the the habits and the patterns in your life right now. Because if you think you're going to get anywhere at two hours a day, um, it's, it's going it, to, you're going to get there, but it's going to take you a really long time. So just think, would you rather watch three hours of Netflix or would you rather be in the studio watching tutorial videos on YouTube? Yeah. Time allocation is a huge part of making that leap between, um, doing something as a hobby or professionally or full-time. And Chris and I have made that leap and we both have not as much time as we wish to do the true things we love with music, but on an average, we have way more time than the average person uh, working on their laptop making beats. And uh, we were both at a place at one point where it was our hobby, but we truly loved it. And we're trying to find time just to do these things. And, you know, you stay up late, even though you have work the next day, right. you get red eye and you, it's worth it for you. You're like, oh, at least I, I, I'm so glad I had that studio session last night. Right. And, uh, that's another thing I force myself, even though it's not a, it's only a force in the very, very beginning. Cause turning on a bunch of stuff, like, especially once you start getting a lot of gear, you have to turn on a lot of power strips and just the little things like some reason demotivate you for a second. And then as soon as you get everything on, you're like, Oh, I'm so glad I'm here. And that's just me. Like, I don't know. Chris is probably super excited off the bat, but for me personally, I get out to my studio and then once everything's on, I have to tell myself, you know, you're going to love it. You know, you're going to want to be out there. Just do it. Yeah. Stop. Don't even think you don't want to do it. Just get out there and you got it. Just yeah. and then once you once you get everything on, and then you just spend an hour even. You're like, so glad I made that progress, or I'm so glad I listened to this today. Even oh, a huge thing. Next day, always just listen to your work. Just get yourself into whatever your listening environment is. Make yourself listen to what you did before, and then you're good to go. And just be like, if I want to shut it off after I just listen to it, just to see if what I want to do next mixing session, then that's all you need to do. Absolutely. Just little goals, people. Little little goals indeed. Um, Two things that Dom mentioned that were really great that we should definitely talk about. One is, you know, work ethic. And two is essentially understanding time management and other things like that. So, you know, regarding your work ethic, I can tell you all that, you know, I used to have a commercial location like we talked about in podcast two at a warehouse. And it would take me 20 minutes to drive there. You know, I didn't have the luxury like Dom did to walk into the building on my piece of property, which was my studio. I had to like commit myself. I had to make food. I had to pack what I was going to pack. I had to drive and commit myself there. And it was the best thing ever because it was just a studio. I didn't have a TV. You know, I didn't have friends there. Like there was no distractions whatsoever. So the first thing is with like time management, developing a good work ethic is disable your computer from the internet, you know, when, but take breaks, you know, do an hour of mixing an hour of work or so take a five minute break, watch something funny, watch a tutorial on compression, you know, learn about how to process a kick drum better 
and then go back into it. But leave yourself as many opportunities to not be distracted as possible. If you're working in an environment where you're easily distracted, it's very easy to stop and lose your creative flow. And that's something that Dom and I have both experienced. And now that we have dedicated rooms, um, it's very easy to stay in the zone. Yeah, Chris's work ethic exceeds mine by a magnitude that I can't even I can't even put into a number. But um, I, I'm I'm getting there. He's he's actually really helped me with uh, getting my butt off of uh, what's comfy in life and really pushing towards what I uh, ideally want to do in my heart. But you know, it's always hard to make change. And this is getting more into that musically spiritual side of things as well. And we'll have to wrap this uh, episode up with some gear talk too, because we, we love it all. Like we'll talk about the itty gritty stuff as well as just the broader strokes of what makes creation creation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, work work ethic is a huge part of creation and it's always nice to, Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna work on things when I want to. Right. You know, I just, and it it can, but you just won't get stuff done as soon as you would like. And you feel like at those moments, you're like, oh, this is, I have it. It's in my head. I'm going to put this lead down. I'm done, you know, but, um, get yourself to work on a little bit more, like force yourself a little bit. Then if you're just truly sick of it, end it. But yeah, get somewhat of a work ethic and it comes with time. If you truly like doing something, you'll, you'll bust through that like semi laziness you might have. Right. It's, there's. Uh, there's a paradigm here because on, on one hand, life should be free flowing and should be natural. So when you feel like making music, you should get off your ass and go make music. But life is also about creating patterns and routines that enhance your life. So for instance, okay, Dom and I are at different places in our life, which is beautiful. And this is a great illustration for you guys um, to see on this scale or this hypothetical spectrum where you fall. So I'm at a place where I don't really have a work ethic anymore. I just have a life yeah. practice, you know, that it's just like, yeah. it's just, it's just how I live. You know, I don't sleep a lot. I do a lot. My day is creative 24 hours a day. And it took me years to put that into a life practice, but I had patterns, I had routines, I had schedules, I had goals, I had ambitions. All of these things align me with developing a life practice. So if you're not a person like Dom, who is a naturally motivated person to have that really high work ethic, but you want to achieve your goals within you know five years instead of 12, for instance, like we just talked about with the 10,000 hour rule, you need to develop some small patterns. So if a, like a pattern could be simple. A pattern could be every day, if you can't make it in the studio, you need to dedicate 30 minutes to learning about music, whether it's theory or production, doesn't matter. And think about that. Anything. Tony Robbins says that it takes a minimum of 21 days to turn an idea or a concept into a pattern. Think about that on the scale of an idea like a New Year's resolution. Do you know that it's statistically proven that 88% of people break their New Year's resolution by the 20th of January? Why do you think that is? They didn't make it 21 days. They haven't taken, I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to quit eating cheesecake. I'm going to quit doing whatever I'm doing for long enough so the pattern fades away. You need three solid weeks minimum to solidify a pattern. So if you can't watch 30 minutes of YouTube videos or read a blog or talk to somebody or get in the studio or play guitar or whatever, how are you going to do this? I'm going to say something that I don't care if people don't believe, but something that's just true between Chris and I that we totally agree on is that we both hate money 
and we we hate it. We hate that it's a thing that we have been geared to need in the society. And there's bills. It's just the fact of the matter. And the reason why I bring up money, and I don't like to bring it up a lot. Um, Chris definitely doesn't like oh, to bring it up, um, oh, but uh, is that a lot of the stuff we're saying is pretty much geared to the listeners that have money or monetary gain in mind through music. Because obviously, if you have zero interest in making money with any of this, then create when you want. Well said. Do what you want. This work ethic is is really based around doing something that you love and being able to live off it at least a little bit and maybe sustain yourself with a secondary job that isn't mind-numbingly horrible. Right. You know, and that's um, what I've been weaning off of that very gracefully. But I'm I've been doing that for the last four years, and then I'm just more and more uh, kind of quitting the jobs that I never would have taken up in the first place unless mm-hmm. money was involved. Right. Money, you know? money, money, money. And money. so that just to put that side note in there, it's that's definitely a big part of this whole work ethic thing. But obviously, do what you want. If it's just a hobby, and that's all it's ever going to be, then. You just that's yeah, awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> just keep doing it. Just yeah. make yeah, it's just a thing to do in the afternoons. Dom Dom makes a good point. And this goes back to things if if you're just joining us, you should really tap into the other three podcasts because we we cover these more spiritual, these more in-depth, these more um, you know, critical aspects <gasps> of, of life. It's like what do you want? You know, you need to ask yourself questions. Okay. If if you don't know why you're doing music, then why are you doing music? Figure that out, okay? If you want to be a career artist, know that. Write that down, okay? That's your mission. If you want to be an engineer, a paid engineer, a career engineer, good, write that down. If you don't care about making money, don't want to have the pressure of doing music for a living, and you love music, great, write that down. Like, have a specific plan. Know what you want, because how are you going to get to where you're going unless you know where it is you want to go. You would just be aimlessly walking in the dark, walking in circles with a flashlight, looking for something that you don't even know what you're looking for. It makes absolutely no sense. So know what you want and understand that if, like most people here, they're looking to do this for a living. And if that's your goal, you've got to put in some serious, serious work. If you're trying to do this as a hobby, you can be really, really relaxed about it and just have fun. Either way, you should be having fun. But I think it's very important that you get very honest with yourself and you understand your path. Because if you're not honest with yourself, you're living a lie. And you're never going to achieve anything you want if you're living a lie. Honesty is key. Self-awareness is key. These two things are key. Burn them into your brains. <laughs> um, whoa, Chris just somehow jumped the ball like three feet in the air, did a backflip. Hard to tell because it's a round ball that's purely white, but I could it tell it was a backflip. It, it totally backflipped. Hit nothing? Nothing. You can ball pick it up. Ball in hand? Ball in hand. Pick it up. Sweet. Um, yeah, so all the beautiful spiritual stuff aside that is incredibly important, um, I would like Chris to start talking about mm. if he if he may. Oh yeah, of course. Yes, of course. If yes. I can't, you know, I can't force him no, to do anything. No, you know, he can no, he can no. talk about whatever he wants. Yes, I, but, I will. Uh, damn it, I want to hear him talk while I take this shot mm. about the differences between his two SSL compressors mm. that he has mm. and mm. what he enjoys. Mm. There's not too much sonically, mm. I'm going to say, but there's definitely no. a lot of features with the Alan Smart. Mm. You know what you're doing. I, I of course, yes. Well, I, I will say. Uh, for, for those guys who are plug-in guys, um, I do have the Cytomic, the glue. I also have the Waves, um, 
SSL compressor. You should. That's why I'm that's why I'm setting you up. And I have the SSL Duende. And SSL is actually a partner of the studio and of the academy. We're very blessed to have them with us. They are amazing guys and they make amazing products. So in terms of the hardware, I have the SSL X Logic G Bus compressor, which is the 19-inch version of the iconic compressor that's built on every SSL desk. It's been on every record since the 70s or whatever. Um, I also have the Allen Smart CLA-1, which is... Not CLA, uh, just... No, C1LA. C1LA, yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not no, pushing... No, we're not pushing CLA. <laughs> CLA is a great engineer, don't get me wrong. I, I think he's a little arrogant, but I mean, I guess if you're on that level, you yeah. can be arrogant, so I guess, you know, more power to him. But, okay, so essentially, I'm going to take a shot, and I'll let Don talk about the plugins for a second, but essentially what I like about these is Alan Smart, that's his name, was actually the designer of the original SSL compressor. So he left SSL, started his own company, and then made a modification of it that has more features and options than the original SSL. So I'll pause there, let Dom talk about the plugins, and then we'll kind of pick back up with that. Yeah, let's talk plugins. So I'm I'm willing to bet that the main plugin that people have used that's an SSL, um, we're talking about the SSL uh, Master Bus Compressor. What was that? Oh, he just missed an easy shot. But so this Waves compressor that everyone's been using since the early 2000s. Or, um, the, what we're finding out is that with all these newer emulations that are coming out, it seems very dark and kind of lifeless. So the actual compression feel is there it's definitely a nice gluey feel but it's just gone in the wayside for us um my favorite plugin just that does the ssl thing is definitely the ssl make like the actual ssl brand duende. one yeah the du- ssl duende um what do they call it what is it bus compressor yeah I don't, bus compressor. okay yeah um but the thing is the cytomic one that is also included in ableton 9 has great side chaining capabilities, not only just for the compression circuit, so you don't get a lot of low end triggering for pumping. It also can be side chained for just if you want to side chain with a kick to make some nice right. baseline pumping. And it's cool to be able to do that with an SSL type compressor. And uh, so I'll use Cytomics, the glue, for um, a lot of ducking purposes in EDM just to get that nice pumpy feel that we all love and have heard for years now. And then, um, yeah, if it's ever just general SSL bus work, then it's usually the SSL Duende, which it just has a more new feel. It just feels like the algorithm's just newer. Yeah, you know? it is. It just yeah. it feels like it's not a dusty well, piece. And of it was designed by SSL themselves. You know? Well, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, I hadn't thought about yeah, that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it's, it's just great. They know what, I think they know what they're doing the, with their yeah, own gear. I think, I think they, yeah, I think they got it down. I think the difference between the hardware and the software, for me, it's, it's, it's really night and day. Tonally, they sound similar. They're punchy and they're clean. And SSL, when I think SSL for compression, I think the word glue. You know, it it, it has that gluey record sound. Um, the reason I think I would pick the Allen Smart over the SSL is mainly because I don't like stereo link compressors. Um, there's there's two schools of thought here with a stereo link compressor. One school of thought is well. Why would you not want a stereo link compressor? 
So, like, for instance, when you have a tom that's hit on the left side of the stereo spectrum, let's say you have it pan, you know, 37% to the left, and that compressor goes down, it's going to then duck the right side of the stereo image down as well, where there's not a tom. So people would say, well, why would you just want to duck the left, but not the right? And this is all about workflow. Some people love stereo compressors because it's, it's a more balanced, cohesive vibe in the stereo image, and other people don't. I personally don't. Every compressor that I own, except actually for that SSL, is mono, dual mono. I like the ability to set the left and the right differently and be able to not do that. Now, I will say that the advantage of the SSL, and I'm contemplating selling it right now, I'm contemplating, I'm torn because of two reasons. One, I think you everybody should have at least one really nice stereo-linked compressor. And two, is that you really don't know what a mix is going to call for. So if a dual mono is too aggressive and there's too much variance, and if the image is too wide, then a a stereo link compressor can really corral things and make things feel very balanced. So I'm going to talk about the dual mono thing a little bit more. So a main reason why we don't like to use dual mono and that stereo link is so nice is the low end. Um, the low end, if you have different compression settings, um, if your envelopes are off a little bit, then you might get some phasing issues. So what's so nice about um, st- uh, unlinked compressors that also have a side chain is that the low end's not an issue. And that's why uh, compressors like the C1LA um, by Smart Research, it provides the side chain um, so you're not triggering the low end, but you can also not have... That one's not linked? Which one? The, the Smart Research? You can link it. So it's unlinked and linked? Yeah. Oh, that's does, cool. It does, yeah, oh, cool. Yeah. I just want to make sure. But um, So for instance, if you have that side chain to not trigger the low end in conjunction with having dual mono, it's really great. That way there's no, if you have an unsolid baseline with some wide stuff in it, that, then that can cause some problems. Right. Um, if you're just going for that wide baseline sound, which has been happening more. And it then has. also before Chris takes the mic again, is we do a lot of EDM. Yeah. It's like we Mostly love EDM. we love a lot of it was just kind of we pigeonholed ourselves right. a little bit because that's what we produce. Right. And then we love all types of music, but that's just what we end up with. Right. And um a lot more people starting out making EDM than any other type of music. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, we love compressors with side chains on them. Oh yeah. And uh if you don't know what we're talking about with the side chain uh high pass filter on a compressor, just look it up. Yeah, and uh, it yeah, it's a great thing to know about. We're not going to give you everything. Come yeah, on, you got to yeah. work a little yeah, here. We're gonna we're gonna stick to our guns and make you do we some are. re we are. research. Words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's very important with EDM and preserving that low right. end. And so uh, figure it out. So just a question, because you said something. Are you yeah. are, are, if you had to pick one, are you a dual mono guy or are you a stereo guy? After hearing you talk about dual mono, I've been noticing how much it restricts the stereo field mm-hmm. with st- with stereo. Right. Um, linked. Right. And uh, I, I ideally, if I have dual mono, I use dual mono. But then a lot of the stuff I if you use, can only pick one. What would it be? Dual mono with a side chain. Okay. <laughs> so, because I, I okay, here's the thing: is both of them have their attributes, but the SSL does not have a side chain. It pisses me. It, it does. I take that back. It's external, which means you have to run a cable to the patch bay or to a different piece of gear like an EQ, which it I don't, I don't like. It just, it's a pain in the ass. That's, that's all it is. I mean, it's just, it should have an internal side chain for a $4,500 compressor, whatever they sell those for new. I know that's the thing is they're trying to emulate the real deal. And that, that brings it. And this is what we'll talk about after this. We'll talk about the difference between uh, modern recreations and, you know, vintage models, which a lot of people are like, it doesn't sound like it did. 
older version. Okay, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. But uh, yes, SSL, great if you're looking, if you're doing rock music, it's amazing. If you want stereo linked, it's amazing. If you want uh, that SSL feel um, that's not overly punchy and it's very clean and gelled, uh, go with it. Uh, the Alan Smart, I would prefer any day of the week because you have the option for dual mono or stereo. You have three different side chains, one at like 65 hertz, one at 130, one at 205 or something like that internally. So you just hit a button and boom, side chain is done. You can also um, run things uh, with like double the attack ratio and double the release ratio. You have an extra option like it does 1.5 to 1, 2 to 1, 3 to 1, and 4 to 1, where the SSL is only 2 to 1 and 4 to 1. Like for me, compression is all about movement. And it's, it's all about feel. And really, your best friend on any compressor is your attack and release settings. So it's like if you don't really understand how to use attack and release in, in conjunction with your tempo and the groove of the track, you're really not using compression effectively. Yeah, you got to get it in sync. You got to get that track pumping. And this really comes, well, all genres, but EDM also especially. Um, yeah, get your compressor pumping in sync with the track. It's a huge part of mastering and movement. Um, yeah, just in any genre really, but also something that Chris and I really, really enjoy with any piece of gear or plugin that emulates something that's already been done is when they just add something that wasn't there originally. Cause in our school of thought, it's seems kind of pointless to try to copy something exactly unless it's significantly cheaper and it sounds almost as good, then that's always nice. But if it's around the same price tag and they're blatantly copying it, even if you were like an Alan Smart's, mm -hmm. um, that is his name, right? Alan yeah, Smart. But he it, didn't copy No, no, it. that's what I'm saying. No, and so he has a rare case where he designed right. the original yeah, and yeah. broke up. But even him designing the original didn't do his Alan Smart signature right. no. SSL. Right. Well, he did, but he added a lot right. of functions. Oh, yeah. And then his C1's probably the most, the closest to the original, right? Yeah. Like the, yeah. the rack yeah. version. Yeah. But then with the C2, it got grimier, it got grittier, oh, yeah. and it got like a more, I would say like a 2500 yeah. version. It's very crazy. Yeah, it can be. And yeah. it's it has that option. And then with this lunchbox version, miraculously, I don't know how they fit everything in there. And they got it smaller, but then a lot more uh functions. A lot and more. so it's just amazing that um someone has the foresight to see modern day needs mm -hmm. and take a classic and give you the options that you need to let it perform as well in this eat modern EDM world. Absolutely. Um, that we currently live in <laughs> for the most part. And then uh, also plugins, like that's something that pisses me off even more is when um, plugins don't add something a little extra, like something I really enjoy by IK Multimedia is their API plugins. You can- Oh, they're so great. You no, know, it's they're like, so great. they not only sound like they're decent, like I'm they being harsh great. by saying they sound decent. They they sound great they sound as great. far as like plugins go. They they're, sound great. Yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> they sound great. But um, they allow you to do uh more less than two dB increments, which right. are known on API EQs. Right. If you get the lunchbox versions or just any version, it's two dB increments. Right. right. And they're just like, what's the plugin? Let's do. Right. Let's and then Kush Audio or Sly-Fi Digital by UBK. Yeah, the, the um, Access that, plugin. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the Access API is yeah. like his version right. on like a uh, darker API. And the UBK mode lets you just sweep it right. as much as you want. Yeah. No, no increments yeah. at all. And so there's engineers and uh, people out there who realize like we have a format of something that we can just make it our own and add things like that just help. And if people want to use it in a classic way, it's like, oh, they can decide to only do 2 dB increments because that's how you do it. But otherwise, 
yeah, it's uh, it's just a beautiful thing when people have that foresight. Look up the axis real fast. Yeah. I think I think it actually is notched. I don't think no, it's no, free, no, no, no. I just flowing. looked it up. It's the SliFi digital yeah. one. Yeah. No, you the UBK mode. You can free flow. It's notched. Oh, as well. oh, I didn't even know that. That's yeah. cool. No, I'm, oh, I'm okay. teaching them stuff. Oh, about I'm learning. I love learning. They yeah, just had a excellent. sale recently, and I was really considering oh. getting some stuff. Oh, and then uh, I didn't. But oh. it's, it's, they're great. They're yeah, great. I just, yeah. It's one of those things where I was like, do I need it? I already have right. API stuff. I'm sure it sounds great, and that's the thing I didn't demo it yet. It's dirty. It's dark and yeah. dirty. Yeah, it's a but it's total punchy. Gregory thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Greg, Gregory Scott loves his dark, dirty products. No, I think, okay, so this is great. We've segued, which is beautiful in case you missed the segue because it was, it was so smooth. We're all about flow here. Um, so vintage versus modern. Um, I was a sucker for this in the beginning. When I first started getting plugins and hardware, um, and I became more serious about engineering and moved out of Hobbyville and into I want to do this for a career, but also as a hobby. Um, nice shot, Dom. Dom just took the game. Um, I fell prey to the I want gear and I want plugins that sound like how they did back in the day. So I spent a lot of money and I thought that's what I wanted. And this Alan Smart SSL is a great example of why this is a trap, is that I wanted the original SSL. Like I think it's the F384 or the G384. I don't know the exact model. Uh, I know it's the 384. Numbers, I don't know what letters. letter. Yeah, numbers and letters. <laughs> it's the gray-faced 19-inch model that was like the signature, like the, the most sought-after SSL compressor, okay? And everybody's like, you know, on Gear Sluts and all these forums, like, oh, nothing sounds as good as the 384. And I'm like, damn it, you know, I want a 384. So... I'd only use plugins of SSL compressors. I had the Cytomic, I had the Waves. Uh, recently, you know, we started working with SSL and the Duende is, is amazing. And the du each one of those got better and better and better. And then I got the SSL hardware in and I had Dom over that day and I was like, you gotta hear this thing, it's, it's amazing. And the movement of it is breathtaking. I mean, it dances, it's, it's alive. I mean, it's, it's not a compressor, it's a movement generator. And I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away. And it had that classic-y tone because I grew up playing guitar. Dom grew up playing guitar. It's like I was in bands and it's like I came from rock music. So it was a sound that was really familiar to me and it was a feel that was really familiar to me. And I thought that was it. There was my bus compressor. You know, I could throw it on drums. I could put it anywhere I wanted. And then I was like, I'd always wanted the Allen Smart. Always for years. That was on the top of my list. And for whatever reason, I never pulled the trigger. So I, I called Alan Smart. Actually, I emailed Alan Smart. And Alan Smart is a cool-ass guy, so cool, that me, Mr. Nothing Me actually had a conversation with him. He actually sent me emails back and forth. We talked about the design. We talked about the products. And he put me in touch with a gentleman by the name of Paul at Sunset Sound in LA. And they hooked me up with a great deal on the Alan Smart compressor. And I will tell you, this is no bullshit. The difference between the two are astounding sonically because of the extra options that the Allen Smart gives you. And for EDM music, and this is the point of this story, the modern version, the Smart, outperforms the SSL without a doubt because it's modern and it has a punchier, brighter, more in-your-face sound. And 
to me, because I have different gear, which I'll talk about in a second, like I was always going for vintage and I realized bringing the vintage gear to modern music doesn't always work. And in fact, it kind of kills the vibe and the modernness of the music. And that's when you're trying to get heavy compression for the most part too, but like we'll use boxes for tone, oh, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. And then a lot of these things have tone that goes for days and we days. just love it. Tone for days. Days. Um, but, and then I really attribute the whole uh, modernness of the Alan Smart C1 lunchbox version because of the side chain. It's just, you need that low end to re- retain there. We have systems that bump now. They didn't used to have systems no. that bump. No. Records well, didn't bump. Well, that's Records not, didn't have this much I mean, bass in them either. No, they, they, they had bass, but not, it wasn't like so. Not sub. EDM, side yeah, yeah. kick bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I'm I'm eating my words because uh there's a whole, you know, hip hop movement right. that came through playing records, like right. beats and stuff. Right. But um yeah, it's that sidechain. That yeah. if it didn't have chain. that, it, it has a great sound. We can't pick one over the other as far no. as sound wise. No, they both um, sound great. But yeah, just Think about that though. If you're if you're thinking, hey, I want my first compressor, yeah, real, and you're oh, in e- yeah. and you're in the EDM world. If oh, you're yeah. in the rock world, then pretty much open oh, open ball yeah, game. Whatever. Even then, get whatever. But yeah. yeah, but EDM really consider getting a compressor with a high pass filter sidechain in yeah. the compression circuit. There's a difference. So mm-hmm. look that up. Like I said, yeah. we're not talking about high like filtering before the compressor, no, like the actual no, sound. You still no. have the sub. The thing yeah. is, is you're actually retaining the right. low end by this this little uh, added uh, filter into the circuit. Right. So, yeah, just want to yeah. clarify. Just look, look up sidechain detectors and you'll be able to figure that out. We don't want to go super deep in that. We want to kind of help you guys with bigger concepts. And Dom just touched on something really important. In fact, we have owned a lot of gear and we have cycled through a lot of plugins. We've sold a lot of stuff. We have we sold a lot of stuff. Everything. No, we don't. We, we test it. We use it for a while. If we like it, it stays in the racks. If it doesn't, we trade it out or we buy something else and we sell the gear off. So the thing is, and the reason why, which blows honestly, but it doesn't at the same time as a double-edged sword, because no one talks about EDM production on a professional level for the most part. There's tons of videos out there on rock, tons of videos on hip hop, but when you ask major producers or whatever what gear they're using, they kind of keep it a secret. So we have read the forums, we've read reviews, we talk to people, and unfortunately, when we get the gear, it's not really like we thought or it doesn't perform as well for EDM. So that's the cool thing about where we're at is – is it expensive and time-consuming that we're doing? In a way, yes, but I would rather have direct experience with gear so I can look at Dom and say, hey, I had this for two months. I didn't like it. And he's like, yeah, I totally agree. Forget that. Let's go get something else. And it's like, that's the best test because there's not a lot of info out there. So we hope to provide you guys as much info as we can on what we're using in the plug-in world and the hardware world so you can maybe make a better educated decision when you do like jump the next realm with your products. Absolutely. And that whole idea of getting gear specifically for EDM, uh, which is for the layman, electronic dance mosaic. But um, it's a it's a different world. Um, People in in like people have always uh, abused and misused gear. And that's uh, what is attributed to a lot of our favorite records of all time. But in the EDM world, it's it's uh, there's no rules. You you no. do what you think sounds good because it's all sound design. Mixing just is further sound design for the most part. Um, EQ curves go off the charts with EDM. I see some of these uh, producers in their videos and their fab filter cu- curves are 
almost touching the ceiling. It's like, does the snare really need that much mid? And it turns out it does because they're making money off of it. Oh. And, <laughs> and uh, so it's just used in, especially in EDM, when things can be subtle and you're not destroying a piano track by taking out all of its fundamentals and it's all sound design. Just use your ears. Be like, man, I really like it when I just cut out all the low end on the snare because it's a really like tight, just crisp sound and I don't need all the, I want the headroom, right. you know? Just, just do stuff. And uh, get gear that you think you might be able to abuse has a huge part of EDM too is a lot of options on your gear. Don't get something, ooh, talk about Great River. That's our, that's our, um, yes. that we'll finish with that because that was like, talk about versatile. Yeah, um, yeah. That's, that was a huge find. Oh man, wanted to, I wanted to keep this a secret from you guys too, but I'll tell oh, you. Oh yeah, we did say we're keep it a secret. <laughs> it's all right. I'm a, we're giving people, so we, are. we can't actually keep secrets. No, we, we, we can't. We can't. So some, some gems we just found out about um, today or recently was uh, these Great River uh, compressors. I don't know the model offhand. Uh, it's PWM501. PWM501. Pulse um, width modulation compressor. There's actually not that many out there. Mm, okay, so it's a pulse width modulation compressor, and it is fantastic. Cannot say enough uh, about all the Great River products. They are absolutely amazing. But these things are stupidly, stupidly creative. Um, I have never actually worked with a compressor as creative as these um, because they have what they call feed forward and feedback modes, which give you the ability to tonally shape the sound. It's, it's as if there's an EQ in the compressor, which is giving you the ability to morph the sound and, while compressing it. And so feed forward mode is generally a newer type of compression that is very tight and um, it's very modern and uh, it's just a very grabby compression. And it, um, you notice it, it's very, a lot more noticeable. Feedback has been in compressors since they've been originated. And it's all about when the compression circuit detects the signal. And so feedback, it takes a little bit longer for the compression circuit to detect the signal. So it's a little bit slower and a little bit more vibey and less, less aggressive and sterile. But the thing with the Great Rivers is that um, not only can you switch between the two, is that you can blend them for the first time that I've ever seen. So you can do half feed forward, half feedback, get half vibe, half modern sterileness, but grabbiness that we love and punchiness. And um, just that one knob in conjunction with it, they don't have a mix knob, but it's a, uh, what's the other one? Is it a the, mix? The side chain. Oh that yeah. Really then also, oh yeah. They have up a, to like 600. Yeah. Hertz. A variable. Once again, the yeah. side chain, if it didn't have this, we no, wouldn't love. Absolutely. So the feed forward and feedback mix knob in conjunction with the variable side chain, which a lot of them just have like the Allen smart and the shadow Hills that I got recently have fixed frequencies right. is you can dial in for any source. We love it on a drum bus for EDM. And that's the secret we're going to keep yeah. because it just adds so much movement. Well, we didn't keep the secret anymore. It, it sounds, I yeah. Away. Yeah. I, I totally forgot about yeah. that. Cause I get so excited about these things, but it just <laughs> <laughs> added so much movement. But uh, yeah, so those two in conjunction with each other. And then, of course, it has the normal right. threshold, right. attack, right. release. Um, yeah, knob. Yeah. All that. But yeah. No, they sound, they sound really, really good. Really, really good. Um, I think, yeah, to kind of parlay this uh, before we adjourn for the, yeah. um, the session today, um, I think to parlay all this back into, you know, what you're doing right now, Dude, most likely. Matter. No, it doesn't. It it really doesn't. It it's honestly, guys, it's a trap. It's a black hole. Yeah. It's that's the best way to describe it. It's, um, 
it, it will, as soon as you buy one piece, you will want another piece. And as soon as you get that piece, you will want first? another piece. What was piece. your piece that you started out with that made you want another one? Uh, the first piece that I got was a Universal Audio 6176. Oh, and because it had that compressor on it. Yes. Then yes. That, that's what started. Because the preamp, it's hard to get excited over a preamp unless you're really into that. Like, I mean, for EDM. Well, yeah. I was recording. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. you so totally like, were. When I when I first got started and, and ran my own studio and whatever, like I was doing, like really the reason I got even designed a studio is I wanted to des- do everything myself. Like I wanted to, um, I wanted to um, be able to produce. Thank you, Don. Such a nice guy. Just just Mike, Mike so for me. Weird bleeps and bloops. Yes. Uh, don't mind that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was I was recording myself and I was producing myself and I was composing and I wanted to do everything. So I needed a nice preamp uh, to record guitars through and vocals and stuff like that. That's but yeah, a good pre. it's a great pre. It's yeah. a it's a warm tube based pre. It's round. It's dark. It's it's colorful. It's amazing. But yeah, it had the uh, a remake of the eleven seventy six compressor in it. And man, I had the waves plug in. Mm. I had a few other and it just blew the tone out of the water. So yeah, that was that's what hooked me. Yeah, I uh mine was a very cheap and accessible overstayer FET comp. They have furthered their FET uh technology by making the um overstayer SFE. It's a great company. You should check them out. They uh not a lot of people know about them, but um yeah, that was it. And I like Chris said with plugins, I basically use that compressor on everything, uh printing it down. And, uh, yeah, um, that, that's what got me started. And then, uh, ever since I, uh, I've been gear lusting. <laughs> yeah, it happens. That's that the only advice that I think we both can give you guys is unless you're ready to fall down that rabbit hole, stay in the box, just use your plugins. Yeah. Cause once you buy a piece, man, you're, you're going to have all your money is going to go to gear. It's you know? all about music. It and is. then if you're not expecting to get the whole arsenal which you can have like okay if you know that you have the self um mode not motivation but self restriction i don't know um you'll get what i'm talking about when i say that when you can allow yourself to only have one piece of hardware and not need to buy anything else and cool you know yourself yeah if you're if you're self-aware you know what you're doing you're more do self-aware you, than Dom or I, I can tell you that This much. honestly is one of my least favorite expressions of all time, but you do you. <laughs> yeah, no, you have to do you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just you do you. Um, and then, uh, but otherwise, if you know that you're just going to start buying stuff, work on your music, yeah. get it, get it. It's good. And then, oh, that's what I was going to say is uh, it's a lot of money. Just, yeah. just get yeah. your stuff professionally done yeah. Yeah. by anyone. Try things. Oh, there's, especially for mastering that. There's a lot of services out there that allow you to do a 30 second clip of mm-hmm. your song. A lot of services. Yeah, for free. Yep. Just Abbey Road is one of them, and they're one of the oh, best well, in the game. Yeah, they're yeah. great. We they're recently amazing. heard a master by Abbey uh, Road, and we're uh, there's it. a you pay for what you get. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You get what you pay that for. That goes you pay for, for anything in music. A two hundred dollar compressor yeah. is not a four thousand dollar compressor. A mastering. Tell that to Daft Punk. Yeah, uh, well, that's, that's <laughs> true. They 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 did use forty dollar compressors yeah. back then. They were probably a couple hundred. Yeah. But yes, and they're right. they're redefining a genre or making right. a genre yeah. or whatever they're doing. Yeah, yeah. You know, innovating. They, they, were doing they got, awesome but that that also comes back to the EDM thing. Abuse what you got. Exactly. Just abuse yeah. what you got. Yeah. yeah. Just run everything through it. Just get get used. Yeah. That I'm yeah. just gonna be saying trivial stuff, but yeah, I hear you. 
Well, that about taps it off for today. To leave you guys with a word of wisdom, I would just say to use what you got for right now. Don't be lusting over a bunch of stuff and make sure your focus is always on on making music and having fun because that's what it's all about. All about the fun. Indeed. All right, guys, that's it for us for this installment. Uh, Go be creative. Peace out. Later. Peace.